Are you a lawyer who needs CPD? I've teamed up with Law CPD to make that task easier for you. Law CPD provide premium CPD for Australian lawyers and they offer so much more than just another webinar. Law CPD's courses are online, on-demand, interactive learning. Law CPD are offering Doing Law Differently listeners $25 off of their first purchase using the code DLD25. There are over 100 courses across all competency areas, so visit lawcpd.com.au to find your next CPD course and make sure you use the code DLD25 for your $25 off. You're listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Hello, welcome back. You're listening to the Doing Law Differently podcast brought to you by Nexus Law Group and Law CPD. I'm your host, Lucy Dickens, and in today's episode, I'm joined by Anna Lazinski, an Executive General Counsel, author and advisor, who you may have seen gracing the virtual halls of social media because she is a well-known legal innovator and shares her ideas and thoughts very broadly across Instagram, LinkedIn, and more recently, Clubhouse. Now, until recently, Anna was the General Counsel of L'Oreal Australia and New Zealand, and she and I recorded this interview late last year, back in 2020, before Anna resigned from that position. We take a look, though, at doing law differently from an in-house perspective and touch on some of the ways that the in-house team at L'Oreal are improving their legal function, including their use of technology and Anna's number one tool, which is mindset. We also talk about some of Anna's ideas about legal innovation more broadly, These are the things that she talks about on her social media and her website and also in her book, Legally Innovative. Anna is now an entrepreneur on a mission to help the legal and corporate worlds to adapt to the digital age, which is something she's very passionate about. She likes to say that efficiency will never go out of fashion. Before I hit play, a quick favour to ask of you. If you enjoy this podcast, please do hit subscribe on your app or leave a rating and review if you're on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people to find out about the show, but also means that you'll be notified every time a new episode releases so you can be the first to hear it. All right, let's hit play. Here is Anna Lazinski on the Doing Law Differently podcast. This episode is brought to you by Nexus Law Group. For those seeking positive career change, Nexus Law Group offers senior lawyers the freedom of sole practice with all of the support and infrastructure you need so that you can focus on what you do best, practicing law. Contact Nexus to find out how you can take the next step towards a more rewarding legal career. Find out more on the Join Us page at nexuslawyers.com.au. Anna Lazinski, welcome to the Doing Law Differently podcast. Thanks, Lucy. It's great to be on here. The pleasure is mine. I'm really interested to talk to you about your role at L'Oreal. You're the general counsel there and also a bit about some of your thought leadership as well around being legally innovative and some of the other terms that you use. But let's start with L'Oreal. You are the general counsel at L'Oreal Australia and New Zealand and you describe L'Oreal as being pioneers of new age lawyering. What do you mean by that? So we're a small team, but we certainly punch above our weight. And in 2015, we were actually the first legal function globally to start using technology as part of the way that we deliver our legal services. 
And so we've been on this incredible transformation journey for the last five or so years across automation, data analytics. Now we're dabbling in chatbot and contract AI review. So, yeah, we've just really been on this transformative award-winning journey, I'm pleased to say, doing law differently within L'Oreal and in the industry to an extent. Congratulations on being the first you know, you say 2015, we were the first legal function globally to use technology and good on you for that. So let's talk about your use of technology. You've mentioned a couple of things that you've been kind of trialing. Can you tell us a bit more about what you do or how you use technology? Sure. So the vision always was to automate the routine tasks to allow lawyers to use their minds in a way that is engaging for them, but also uh, more importantly, to be using their brain power to solve the sort of medium to high risk problems for the business. So thankfully, that's been pretty successful. We're seeing that through our data. So we're spending about 70% of our time on medium to high risk matters. And we've automated thousands of routine tasks for the business on a self-serve basis. So we use, um, we've partnered with a tech company and partnered with the business, of course, and we've really been on this journey of automating, you know, important but routine tasks for the business so that it's available 24-7 and essentially it's done without legal touch. And that means we, in theory, have more time, as I said, to problem solve the problems that, you know, boggle our minds a little bit or are new to market and therefore require a different approach and an open mind and perhaps, you know, breaking some new ground from a legal perspective as well. It's brilliant. I love that approach. I take a similar approach and I call it getting rid of or automating the grunt work. It's the work that, you know, the really low value stuff. And it sounds like that's exactly what you've done in your business. Something I've been thinking about, I don't know the answer to this yet, and I'm just going to throw it out and see if it's something that you've thought about. As we do that, as we automate these easier or more repetitive, the grunt work, right, the low risk, the easier tasks, we free up our time to focus on, like you say, medium to high risk or the stuff we have to think about, or maybe just the stuff that we really enjoy. Do you think that we've lost anything as a result of doing that, as a result of human people not doing the grunt work? Yes, you always lose something with a, with a choice, right? So there is no perfect path. I guess what I've been wondering, this, and like I say, I don't, I don't know the answer to this, it's just something I've been thinking about. As we do this as we, and we move people away from the grunt work, and don't get me wrong, I do think that that's what we should be doing, we spend more time on this high risk, high brain power. Do we then need to replace that work with something else to give us a bit more of that downtime in our day so we don't end up being completely in the thick of it? all day whereas in the past we might have you know had a bit of of downtime or off time or something that required a bit less brain power but i think that also contributes to brain fry you know when you're still having it's i think it's very hard as lawyers just to switch off and not give something 100% you know lawyers by their nature are perfectionists and i think actually it takes a lot of energy to coach yourself to say i'm only going to give this 70 or 80 percent because it is routine it's low risk Uh, it might even be low value but it's still regarded as important so I actually think it probably is potentially more draining 
to be looking at the routine tasks because we've we've all only got yeah. you know a bundle of energy every day, right? You're right. It's an interesting perspective. And then because if we're doing work we enjoy, that also motivates us and gives us more energy, doesn't it? Correct. Correct. And I think that when you're solving more complex problems, it's also more rewarding. Yeah. And therefore it's more engaging. Yeah. And therefore in theory it should give you more energy. Um, because you feel that you're actually putting your your skills to great use mm. rather than just being used as another resource to get another task done. Yeah, it's a great point. It's, it's, an, it's an interesting idea, but I think you're right. I think that being able to do the work that we love, that we enjoy, that kind of motivates us, it's like a cycle and that's what gives us more energy. So what do you say to the people who say that law is too complex for you know, routine documents like NDAs or terms and conditions that you've automated at L'Oreal? I don't tend to agree (laughs) with people that say that. That might be your answer, yep. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we have really seen it work successfully, efficiently, with ROI, with an ability to, to an extent, have a one-size-fits-all. So, you know, as a team, we operate with this sense of curiosity and a sense of continuous improvement. And we're not afraid to challenge these, I don't know who made up these rules, but, you know, all all this conditioning that I guess we all get, that it has to be done a certain way. So as a leader of the team, but, but also, you know, I try and create this culture and, and nourish this culture of, just because it's been done a certain way or just because that's been our legal grooming, that that's the only way or that's, you know, that's the right way. You know, one thing that I think we lose from law school when I think back was always this canvas of there actually is not a right answer because there's always the grey in the law which allows you to argue, you know, or mount a series of arguments to support you know, a solution or an outcome. And I think really when you tap into that and then you apply that to improving process or improving or innovating the way that we deliver legal services, it's really hard, like it's really harking back to that. And so if that helps lawyers justify their fear or their um, lack of understanding or their perceived threat that, you know, doing something differently or defying the conventional is wrong or right, well, actually, maybe it's about playing in the grey there and, you know, seeing that as an opportunity to give things a go. You know, recently I saw someone post, quite a senior lawyer post on LinkedIn that being creative was a risk effectively. And I think, yeah, there's so lawyers are actually quite inherently creative. And, and I think if we tap into that, you know, you can see some really incredible thinking and some really incredible ideas. So I think we've got to really play in that space of diversity of thinking and that diversity of thought that actually that's what we went to law school for. And somehow it gets kind of narrowed down or we're conditioned that, you know, there are only a certain certain number of acceptable styles or a certain level of acceptable thinking in a way of doing things. So, yeah, I I guess my philosophy is to, to disrupt that a little bit and break that thinking because I don't necessarily think that that's the circuit of the future. 
You spoke before about leading your team and encouraging your team to innovate and kind of adopt this new mindset that you've spoken about, play in the grey. What motivates you to do that and how do you encourage your team to do that too? That's something that I find quite challenging is gathering momentum for that journey. Well, there's a few ways that we do that. So the first is leading by example. You know, I'm showing up with new ideas and making sure that I'm familiar with the tech that we're using and I'm using the tech and we're engaging a lot with our tech providers and really just not accepting things to be stagnant. So it's like, you know, how can we do things faster or how can we remove a pain point for the business? You know, do we need to get more feedback or if we're getting feedback, what are we doing about it? So we don't just sort of get some feedback, you know, pop it on a note, fold it up and, you know, store it in a virtual box somewhere and never look at it again. You know, we look at it seriously. So I think leading by example and making sure that, yeah, we're we're seeking feedback continuously both within the team and also externally. And then the other lever that I think supports um, an innovative culture is we talk about innovation a lot. We're constantly asking those questions. Can we do it better? Is there a better way? Do we need to improve here? You know, what's the word on the street about this? Is there new technology that we need to look at and make part of our roadmap? How can we maximise the technology that we have? So we're constantly upgrading the technology as well. Again, we we sort of just don't launch something and then leave it be. We're constantly working with our tech providers to improve it and we're listening really closely to our users to see how we can make it better for them. And then lastly, it's hardwired in a way. It's one of our strategic priorities as a, as a legal function. It's in each of our KPIs, including mine. And therefore, I call it being a, you know, a daily attitude and a practice. So like people wake up and, you know, have their cup of coffee, or in my case, an almond chai, it's really about making this kind of mindset second nature and a reflex as a skill, just like it's a skill to be able to look at a contract and spot issues and advise the business on what the risks are and, and, you know, what the options are moving forward. I was going to ask you, how do you make time for it? But maybe that's your answer. It's just innate. It's part of what you do. It's not a case of allocating hours of the day. It just infiltrates everything. Would that be fair? Absolutely. And I really resist the label of um, innovation being project. I think when you call something a project, it automatically can feel burdensome, big, messy. Yeah, I think if innovation is just a value and it's a priority and it's part of the way that a lawyer works, then automatically that just comes from a very different place energetically but also then in the way that that you think and how you approach the everyday. In the work that you do at L'Oreal, you're obviously in-house, so you have the the experience and perspective of general counsel in-house, but you also work or speak to, you've you've got um, resources on your website for the profession at large. Do you see the challenges and the opportunities for in-house as being the same as or different to the, the, you know, the law firms? Look, I think this is an interesting one. I think if we reflect on where innovation, where the innovation is is occurring, I think it's been in-house led for the most part. 
At the same time, it's probably not happening fast enough and I'd invite fellow decision makers who are in-house to apply even more pressure on law firms to innovate because I think the whole legal ecosystem needs to be almost um, humming a little bit to the same tune. Otherwise, it's going to be stop, start, stop, start, and that doesn't necessarily support acceleration of innovation. So I think from law schools talking about technology and innovation and having more industry speakers as part of the curriculum from a diverse range of the law, so not just in-house, but, you know, the, the full spectrum, I think exposing law students to actually the entire legal, legal ecosystem is important. I think, you know, topics at conferences, you know, podcasts such as yours, Lawyers who are doing things differently, not being afraid to talk about that more openly and not being afraid of social media full stop. I think it's a really great way to share and humble brag if that's, you know, if that serves you, you know, who cares? I think it's just shedding a positive light on innovation to try and counteract, I think, some of the fear-based thinking that comes with doing things differently. I think it's got to be the whole profession that works together, you know, not just relying on the legal tech providers, for instance, for being the change, not relying on in-house. I don't think there's a sole answer or a sole spot in that legal ecosystem. I think we've each got to take the charge and be the change. Yeah. And stop talking and actually act more as well. Yeah, yeah. But I like what you said there about sharing that more broadly because that's something that I think is starting to happen more and more and I mean particularly on LinkedIn we're both part of a few networks of legal professionals who are starting to share more about what they do and how they do it and you've mentioned podcasts and all that kind of thing but I think that's really important. The common theme of the feedback I've had from my book is I never thought about it that way and I think we're taught to think in a certain way and to get ourselves out of that way of thinking obviously requires us to think quite differently. But this is something that you have been doing through your work and through your book, Legally Innovative, and your thought leadership under your, you know, your, your own name and on your website where you publish products and blog posts and lots of resources for the profession. And one of the things you talk about is mindset. And this ties in to me. Tell me what your take is on mindset and its importance. I think it's core. It starts with mindset. Without an open and progressive mindset, innovation does become all the negative labels that we know are out there uh, and still perhaps to an extent is still the dominant view. So it absolutely starts with mindset. And if you follow any of the stories of uh, any entrepreneur or any intrapreneur, there's always that chapter on mindset and how it all began because, Lucy, as you know, starting is the most difficult part. Talking about a problem without acting to break it down a little bit and make it feel less hairy and scary, that's the beginning. And sometimes as lawyers, we're so trained on focusing on the risks. And as you say, you know, that thinking is quite ingrained. 
that perhaps sometimes we can lose sight of the bigger picture and then add to the fact that workload is heavy, demands are always high, there's never enough time in the day. You know, some of these things are very common no matter where you work as a lawyer. So I think if you have a mindset of being really conscious about not falling into those habits and that autopilot, then that's where you create this magical space of something a little bit more inspirational, something that then changes fundamentally the way that you practice and the way that you approach problem solving and then has all these incredible positive tentacles and effects on reputation, speed, agility, collaboration, you know, and a whole lot of other things that come with that mindset. But what is the mindset that we need to adopt? What are the key traits of it? For me, it's about looking outside to grow within. You know, I don't think it's a surprise for anyone listening to hear that the legal profession is lagging. So the way I couch it is looking outside, taking inspiration from what is the business doing? What are other industries doing? And almost kicking around the idea of, okay, here's an innovation in this industry. How can that apply to legal? And it mightn't be a direct application. You know, it might require some tweaks. But just making sure that you're getting that inspiration of how these problems or how similar problems being solved outside of the legal industry because it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone or offend anyone to say that the legal industry is behind on this front. I think the second thing is is not being afraid of, and, you know, the way I phrase it is, you know, fitting out is the new fitting in. So I think as lawyers we like to... Uh, you know, it's a profession and we've got all these professional duties. And I think therefore there's, you know, this layer of perhaps traditionalism and then maybe some conservatism around what is a lawyer's role and what does that look like and what does that feel like and how should one speak? It's interesting, you know, there's this concept of having a lawyer's voice. So we take on almost this identity and persona. And I think, How I try to show up and really how I try and think of it is, look, that's great, but is that the lawyer of the future? And actually, is it enough? Mm -hmm. And more importantly, if business is going a certain way, does that work? Does that profile, does that identity, does that set of skills still work? And in fact, is it going to be relevant? So what do we need to do today in order to prepare for the future so there isn't that perception that the lawyers are always catching up so that we just dispel some of these fears because we're seeing incredible change and I think COVID obviously has accelerated some really incredible change for many businesses. I think lawyers, if they want to be taken seriously and valued, not only have to understand what the business is doing, but they need to align with that, that business transformation to the extent, obviously, they can. And that doesn't mean that you're being a, a worse lawyer. I think it's just it's keeping up with the times. Yeah. If you had to distill it all down to one piece of advice, what would your one piece of advice be for someone who wants to do law differently? Every time that 
you get into that story in your head that is the autopilot on repeat story, try and catch yourself and find out where that's coming from and try and consciously change that story. So if you're looking at a problem and you know you can just feel that you're falling into your old habits and falling into your old ways, try and turn that around. And the more I think we practice or the more that we embrace that as part of our practice, the easier it is to innovate, to pivot, to use, you know, the word of the year, to take people on the journey with you and to make sure that you're staying ahead of the curve. And it's interesting that that advice ties so closely back to mindset, which is what you've said is the number one thing. So, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the podcast and for joining me. I really appreciate it. I will share links to where everyone can find you in the show notes, but you share lots of your thought leadership around legal innovation on your Instagram and on LinkedIn and also on your website. So I'll put all the links there in the show notes for people to come and find you. Thanks so much, Lucy. Really appreciate being on the show. That's all for today's episode of the Doing Law Differently podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to do law differently and you're looking for some guidance and inspiration to help you along the way, then get your hands on my book. It's time to do law differently, how to reshape your firm and regain your life. You can get it on my website, lucydickens.com.au forward slash book or on Amazon or Booktopia where you'll also find the ebook versions too. Don't forget to leave a rating and review if you enjoy the podcast and be sure to tell your friends and let other people know too. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.